Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay and Brad. Wait, wait, I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an uh, act. How's your week going? Oh, Brad, you know, I'm feeling real dry. Why are you dry? Because I haven't been in the ocean since That's... yesterday, which was actually not that long, but normally I surf every day. Today, I'm looking at your surfboard, it's blue and black. That's not a good sign. Blue and black, yeah. For those of you who don't surf, uh, you don't know what that means, but basically in Surfline, the app, when it's green and orange, you're having a good day. When it's blue, it's usually a little windy and probably stormy, but it's black, meaning it's flat. Flat. It's rarely flat. Yeah, and it's like legitimately flat. Like I drove an hour and a half with a buddy yesterday just to go down to San Diego to try to catch some waves, and it was still it was like knee high. And then today it was like a lake. So I'm, I went back to running. I ran four <laughs> miles today, believe it or not. You wow. ran? I actually ran please, around. Please tell me you won't become a runner. No, gosh, no. I, mean, okay. I, I hated every minute. I was thinking about, man, if I was surfing, I wouldn't have to worry about it. I'm going to get a gym pass again. I don't know what I'm going to do because it says it's going to be flat till. Please tell me next week when I'm off. It's got a little bit of bump. Not till not till uh, the twenty second through only the twenty fifth. Okay, so perfect. Three days. That's my day. That's my week. Oh, good. Well, at least we we'll get to surf together. All right. I was kind of bummed. All right. Uh, next topic. Uh, guess what country we have? A new country hmm. from last week. Philippines. No. No. Um. Not an English speaking country. Okay. Um. Yugoslavia. No. And um, I'm very proud because I think this is coming from Dominican. a missionary uh, that's serving there that I'm good friends Cuban. with. Cuban. Cuba. Cuba is not even open to missionaries. Though. Okay. <laughs> it's not? I thought we had someone Cuba? I know. Cuba? Maybe now that Fidel's dead. Bless Cuba. His, bless his heart. It's a communist that's a country. Whole other bro. conversation. Obama speech versus. Okay, anyway, that's not good. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what country? You know, okay, I'm, I'm failing this. Germany. Germany. Yeah. Speak as he's German. See, we speak as he's German. Yeah, Vietnam still. I saw uh, the movie Brad Pitt. Yeah, you know, in the United States, Germany, Vietnam, those are our top three. Really? Yeah. Germany. Um, it's a trip. Top city. Can you guess what top city is? Whoa. Um, I would never know this. What? Lithonia, Georgia. Last week's top city. Really? Yeah. That's a trip. Then Bentonville, Arkansas. Wow. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Waxhaw, North Carolina. I don't think I know anyone in any of those states, but if I do, I love you. Decatur, Georgia. We have two Georgias, so, man, this is awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening and hope you like it and hope you share it with others and hopefully uh, get more people to these meetings. Yeah, the only way we get this to grow is if you share it. So push it out on your social media and uh, let people know if you enjoy it. Share the solution, baby. So we got uh, a couple of news articles. Let's see, what do we want to start here? Uh, You posted one on Facebook about... Drug overdoses now kill more than. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard that statistic thrown out there a lot, like that um, uh, overdoses in our country in in America, uh, specifically, uh, kill more people than accidents. But uh, this one that was just posted on what what, what website was that? CB, CBS News. It was all over, but it was all over. But CBS News had the article that I posted um, kills more people than guns. So it's uh, what Wait is it? Wait a minute, Jay. Heroin. Because every week I, I know hear my, about how guns are All my liberal people. friends tell me that, you know, and, and which I have a lot, believe it or not, in the church and out of the church, that guns are the worst thing to happen to humanity. But uh, right here it says heroin deaths rose 23% percent in, in one year 
to to 12,989, slightly higher than the number of gun gun homicides. That's just heroin, not including oh, yeah. alcohol. So so like. so that's why when you hear the statistic addiction, meaning alcohol, you can throw food in there because we know diabetes is like the number mm-hmm. one killer of health right now. Anyways, and now heroin, opiates, mar- well, I don't think marijuana, but all these other things, but yeah. I was even talking to uh, uh, someone after our meeting today, and I'm I, he corrected me when I said sexual addiction. You know, I'm like, unlike some substances will kill you, sex addiction, like you can probably still live. And he's like, actually, I have, and I know quite a few people that have died because they committed suicide because the depression. They, they can't keep it in check. They can't keep it in check. And it becomes unmanageable. Like it's completely else. unmanageable. Well, and and back com- in the day, you literally got AIDS. I mean, like, and obviously, other countries, AIDS is a big thing. Here, we have the medicine. It's affordable. Yeah. But, I mean, of course, like, to live that way is, 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 is hard. And so, obviously, sex addiction. So, society, we're not talking about addiction nearly enough. Not even I think close. we can all agree to that, Well, it's right? just like anything else. It's a mental health. I mean, even these killings with guns, right? That's mental health. A lot of them are on drugs of some yeah. sort. Right? Yeah. So... That's our challenge here. Hey, uh, medicaldaily.com threw out an article that said four Mormon health habits to copy, even if you're not a, an LDS what? church member. So a non-Mormon so, website. Of course, a, a medical. Medical daily. So can you, uh, quiz you, can you at least name a couple of them? What would you yes, say? Yes, prayer uh, meditation, because they've talked about that in science before. Is that one of them? Close your eyes. And, okay. okay. Prayer medication, or meditation, I believe. Um, the word of wisdom, like alcohol. I would okay. assume in cigarettes. And for number one, it was not on there, but alcohol and is the number one. And tobacco. Uh, no alcohol, no coffee. Um, and then the other two, the pro ones, are physical, physical activity, activity and food. That church basketball. <laughs> Wait, food? Does it mention church what? basketball? No, no it just I'm just says, saying. But, um, it's just, we're being outside and being physically active and then actually living the word of wisdom as far as Word of wisdom always says a lot of don'ts, but it's also a lot of do's. Actually, eat healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the four things according to Medical Daily. Awesome, Medical Daily. I appreciate that. So those are. I'm uh, gonna keep living all those. You do a very good job with those, right? Yeah, I like doing those sites. All right. Last bit of news is the whole month of uh, December is Light the World, and you did, you. Uh, for number one, if you know Jay, he is 100% honest and. I don't think he does the insta brag. He just lives his life in open. And it's part of who I am. It's part of who you are. And I would probably would have judged you if I didn't know who you are. But sure. who's this guy bragging about all the stuff he does? I judge people like me. Okay, well, that's fair. You know what I mean? Just fair when enough. you don't know him, right? But you. Someone served but, at the meeting tonight. <laughs> Anyways, go on. But you have really taken the light of the world very sincerely. And you've done a couple things that. Um, I think remarkable. And you, you may not have even shared all of them, but no, to yeah. talk Just maybe a couple, a couple that you've done. Just so you know, Bison Flesh on Instagram. If you there want to follow go. me, there we go. Bison Flesh, just how it sounds. Okay. Um, but uh, no, I, I actually had a hard time sharing the first one. So uh, the first one was I just, uh, I, I'm in sales. I do extremely, I've been extremely blessed since I got sober. First of all, when I was an addict, I had nothing. Okay. I lost everything. I was sleeping on my mom's couch. I was broke. I had to leave school. And I couldn't, I couldn't take care of myself. I had to live with family for over a year. Um, and so did my family. And so I know what it's like to be down. And I wasn't on the streets, but I was going that way if I would have kept using, for sure. You didn't have a mom's couch. If I didn't have my mom's couch, for sure, absolutely. And if I would have kept burning bridges, I would have gone there. And so um, 
fast forward four years, I've I had a tough time in the last couple of months with work, just just normal ups and downs, but um, decided to get really tight with money. I'm like, oh, I'm going to cut back, stop being so much excess. Like, I'm going to start saving some money. I canceled some some stupid things that we were just excess money going out, and I even sold my guitar I just bought a year ago, electric guitar. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get back into playing the electric band, guitar. The band, the band did not like that. Brad, yeah, my band didn't like that. And there's a bunch of old guys trying to jam and sound cool. But, <laughs> and we're doing it late at night because we have to like, none of us can do it at our house with little kids, so we're going to the office at night anyways. But I sold it, and uh, it was a heart bittersweet, right? Sold it for about 500 bucks, not life-changing money, but sold it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in my account and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't. I held on to the cash, and then I, I did end up depositing it, went to work that day. And then when I got home from work a little bit early, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go hit the new Nordstrom rack up, you know, like I'm going to go see if I can, you know, I need some new this. And I'm starting to tell myself, now mind you, I sold my guitar to save money and to help pay bills. And here I was about ready to go spend it on myself. Pretty typical. <laughs> and uh, and I had this feeling like, no, just just don't do that. You're going to go meet someone at the church and do some step work. I was going to meet one of the guys I sponsor. And just go go to Whole Foods. I had this impression. Go to Whole Foods, get an acai bowl, right? Talking about word of wisdom, right? I'm going to eat healthy. And so I go over there and I pull up and I'm in Laguna Niguel. This is where we live. And uh, hold I go. On, hold on. Acai bowl? Acai bowl. Or acai are you going for pitaya? Because I've moved over to pitaya. Oh, uh, acai bowl. Okay. I haven't tried that yet. So that you could haven't? be a new vice for me. Okay. Okay. Let's don't mix even... it up. Okay. Okay. Sweet. I like that. So I go over there and we're in an area where we don't have a lot of homeless people. Um, there are a few lately, but there's not very many. Like, that guy with the box up I've off of. I've seen the girl and I've seen the, the guy. Church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I haven't I haven't seen like a family like this before. So I pull up. You know, most of the cars are Land Rovers, BMWs, right? Right, oh, you know how it is, yeah, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Everyone hey, Lululemon's walking in. Yeah, 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 exactly. Men and, and women. Yeah, men and women. And um, I pull up and I see this family. I see this guy. This dad's probably in his late thirties, early forties, sitting there with a twelve-year-old-ish son and maybe a nine or ten-year-old son, and they're sitting on the curb. And they have a sign. And so I pull up and I kind of look at him and the kid waves at me and smiles. And um, I park my car. Were they panhandling or just sitting there? No, they had a sign. Okay. They were they had okay. sitting on it. And they looked, okay. they looked downtrodden, man. The dad looked broken. So I got out of my car and first up, I'm like, you know what? I'm going right over to them. I'm like, what does your sign say? The guy's like, he barely speak English. He was from Romania. Um, obviously, they were, they, were, they were not homeless. They, were, they had just moved here. They were refugees. Um, he said, I, I barely understood him the entire time, but, um, obviously they were asking for help. And, uh, first thing that came to me, he was like, I've given you everything you have in your life today. Go get a cart and take these, this family in there and just fill it up. And so, uh, mind you, it's almost Christmas time, right? And we just had Thanksgiving and I had this great meal and I'm, I'm, life is good, even though things are tight right now. I'm extremely blessed. So, I told him in broken English, trying to uh, really. I just grabbed the cart. He didn't really understand what I was saying, but I was like, "Let's go fill it up." And the kid's eyes, like looking at his dad, like, "Is this guy serious?" And because uh, I'm, you know, I'm not the old, I'm the young, and uh, they, most of the people were walking in there, um, were just looking right past him and walking by. And I said, "Let's go." And we went in there, and you know, Whole Foods isn't cheap, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I yelled at my wife half the time for buying stuff there because it's so expensive. But of course, I love the food there. So we just went over. We started in the vegetable section and ended over where they have the pre-cooked food. Did he speak much English? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Like we're like pointing? barely. How we're just looking. We're communicating eyes and pointing. Okay. And really, spirits, man. The kids didn't speak any English at all. And uh, and but I just saw my kids in them, and I saw myself in this guy, and 
um, it was a bummer we couldn't communicate about well, what led him to where he's at today and, you know, mm-hmm. hear his story because he's got a story. I mean, they were well – they had clothes. They, they didn't look like they were on the streets. I, I could tell they had a home somewhere. Okay. But anyways, we filled the thing up, and he just was – couldn't believe that I was taking him from the vegetable section to the meat. And he just kept looking at me. I was like, no, of course. I was just thinking to myself, like, if I'm this guy, I don't want just a few vegetables. I want some meat too. Like, and if I'm the son, if that's my boy, I want him to eat the best here. So I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. And we got the kids slices of pizza. He filled up all the stuff and got him some drinks. Got him. One that hit me the most was he said, can I get some soap for the kids, like some shampoo? And so when we went and we got the shampoo for him, I got him the doctor, whatever soap, the the healthier soap, that like the good stuff, you know. And um, I just I just felt that uh, right then that all my my life I've been taken care of, and and I felt the Lord tell me that I, He's going to continue to take care of me and my family, and to stop trying to control everything in your life and stop worrying about things. And this is the part of the Light the World campaign we were challenged in our ward um, a few weeks ago, just like everyone else to do it. And so I was just I was ready to go, and 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 we filled it up walked it out to their car rather than them walking themselves. I'm like, you know, I want to go all the way. And we went to their broken down van. He told me he needs a job. They live in Anaheim and this, that, and the other. I gave him a hundred, I got a hundred bucks out and gave him a hundred bucks to, to help with his rent. And, uh, I just, uh, gave him a hug, man. He couldn't speak, you know, we barely could talk, but we tried. I, I believe our spirits talk. The best part about this whole thing and another time, you know, we had a few incidents where I got to do a homeless thing in Anaheim as well, but, I felt God's love for me and for them at the same time that he's that we're his literal children. And sometimes with my rational thinking and with my realistic thinking and with the world. And I realized that we are all sons and daughters of a real God that he lives. He loves us and he wants to take care of us at our basic needs and to stop worrying. I try to control everything in my life and this challenge, I'm so grateful to the church. I'm grateful to be sober. If they threw this challenge out a few years ago, I'd have been like, this is another way for like, you know, people this, that, and the other. But when I did it, I didn't want to post it. The last thing, I've done stuff like, you know, little things like this before and I mean, big things, whatever. And I would never post something like that. But, you know, I was challenged to do it in our church so we could spread because that's how I get fired up, right? You know, I'm into well, fitness and surf, like all these things. Yeah. I follow all this stuff. And when you post something good, like it gets me jacked up when I put, you know, and I'm like, you know but what? That's the, what's good. I, I, I make fun of you, but it's also and and people who do, but it also fires up and goes, dude, why am I such a slacker? Like, this is so cool, and it takes uh, it. I had to change my mind of sometimes I judge people of when they do the insta brag, totally. but but totally. you know what? Without that, without sharing your sharing, then it wouldn't have inspired so many people. I mean, you got a lot of a lot of people were inspired from that. Yeah, and really, like the, the I mean, that was cool and all, but it was the feeling that you get when you, if I wasn't sober today, this is an ARP podcast, right? Like, if I wasn't sober today, I would have never have, I don't know, it wouldn't have hit me as hard. I would have still done it probably, but it wouldn't have hit me the way it hit me. We got a couple more minutes, uh, and you and I discussed this, I think, in the car one time about, we were, uh, how do we solve this problem? Like there's this problem of poverty and homelessness. And in fact, after our conversation, I went down to the, the county and figured out I got, I had the lady sit down and I tell me how much money people can get. And like, if you're single, if you got kids and, and, and then she was like, why are you asking all these questions? I had to sit, I had to wait a half hour to meet with a manager. You're crazy. <laughs> I am crazy. <laughs> I love it. Cause I wanted when to Brad know. When Brad gets into a subject. Oh, I cannot oh, let it go. 100%. So I drive by this building and so I'm like, 
Uh, and I was asking her, I'm like, I'm like, you see these people off to 57? And she's like, I drive by them every day. I'm like, why are they there? Who's helping them? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, that's your job. <laughs> like, I'm not judging you, but like, this yeah. is your entity. This is why you this exist. Is this why is why this our entity. taxes go yeah. to you. And she was like, you know, these are really good questions. I'm like, I'm a college. Oh my gosh. I'm a college educated. I spent a half hour on your website trying to figure out how, if I needed to get assistance, I wouldn't know how to do it. She's like, well, you come in here and I'll show you how to do it. I'm like, that's great. But that guy living down on the bench isn't going to walk he, down here. He that's the whole point is to go to the library and line. He doesn't up. know. And and, she, and so I kind of made her feel bad, but I but we were good. <laughs> but it was good. She's like, you know what? And we do probably need to make some things a little clearer. I said, and I, so anyways, but it really hit me. And I think we talked about it is our job is to go. I mean, we're commanded by the scriptures. We're going to have poor among us. And our job is to not judge. And, and when we feel inclined to give. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Yeah, it goes with and, being a member of the church, like you said, the member of the church in Christ. Like I was listening to Elder B, Elder Irene, President Irene now. And he has a CD that I used to listen to on my mission. So I found it. It's now on my CD. It's a CD nice. form, and you can't you can't even download it on iTunes. It's still a CD. You have to buy it from Amazon and get. Um, it's called "Draw Closer to God," and he talks about um, this exact thing. Is like you're going to be called to duty, like being a member. The one part of the the three disc CD is duty. That's what we have as members, and and you're going to be called upon to do things, to mm-hmm. serve people, to do things even when you barely have. To be honest, like if I take my debt that me and my family have plus our income, like we're broke too. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Just like most Americans, right? And even though we have a lot coming in, we have a lot going out, and yet we, I, I that money I sold was for for my own bills, but like I felt distinctly Heavenly Father, and I could have rationalized it, but it was like I will take care of you. Mm-hmm. No matter what, and, and the what reason why is so you can do this. My Patreon blessing talks about that specifically about my family's finances will always be taken care of, so that you can share it with others. Well, good on you, bro. Yeah, taking it great. inspired me. I know you inspired many others in this season, so we'll inspire each of you to take that challenge. Um, awesome. Light the world. Hashtag light the world. And if you feel inclined, share what you did because it does inspire other people. You know, don't do it to brag. Totally. But do it to to light the world. And and Jay, you do this. You broke anonymity with addiction, and yeah. it's not to to brag about it. People it's, in this room are here because we yeah we had we had three was it three or four generations of sponsors of sponsor sponsorees tonight. Yeah. Jay, Jay celebrated his four year four years four baby. years today, and we had his sponsor was here, and then someone you sponsor was here, someone that that guy sponsors was here. And awesome. I think that guy, Yeah. I mean, and if you kept your mouth shut, none of this would happen. Even, even if you got sober and you just kept that to yourself, you're not serving others, families would not be bad. I mean, uh, it's just, it, that's what the gospel, there's a lot of aspects of the gospel. That yeah. Are of but the that's gospel. what I always, that's what, when I was learning, it's funny what you're saying, when you put it that way, it's like, when I was learning about Joe Smith and his story, the biggest thing that was always stood out to me is the spirit of missionary work. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, I mean in, the, in the pure sense of knocking doors, I'm talking about just when you get truth, yes, you go share it. That's it, and that's how it's been from day and one. That's what that's, I don't feel like I'd be here in general if I didn't do that. Like when I first learned about, you asked my mom, you asked my family. Like when I learned about a principle in the gospel, it was like I had to go tell it because to me it was like so it was new. Yeah. It was like I found out how to make fire. You and, know? and and as missionaries, or something. I think the the idea is well, we have to go teach about. 
this Mormon Book of Mormon or this or like that. It's so black and white. But like, there's a lot of gospel principles. Like, just through those four principles in the news thing about uh, alcohol, exercise. exercise, eating. Like, yeah, you know what? I, we you should eat. We and can all in be our a church. Here's what we do. Yeah, that's all it is. That's being a missionary. It's not like in 18. You know, you don't have to get into the history of everything. I mean, you can. Hopefully, it leads to that. Hopefully, but, but even if it doesn't, it's Service. still good. Yeah. Service. Like how? Take. One of the millions of things, and, and we say, hey, in our church, this is what we teach. The Bible teaches this. This is what we do. Hey, you want to do it with me? Yeah. Um, That's how I'm here. <laughs> a, a person shared it with me. And we all need to do better at that. So at this totally. Christmas season. I love this time of year. We, uh, I think that's a good reminder for us. And uh, light the world. Just think about it. When you're sitting there opening up presents with your family or your, your children, if you have children or your wife, your spouse, your husband. Just think of how many people are sitting there on the side of the road, and uh, and they have kids. I, another service thing we did was we saw those homeless people we found on Anaheim. They have children living in tents, and uh, when I think about that, I freak out because I just I can't imagine my kids. I can't imagine it. So, anyways, there's always and, something. And does it know. does it hit you extra deep because my judgmental self of my of me is like ah they're addicts they're this they you know they made yeah. choices but. Does it hit you closer to home because you, you totally. that could have been your family? Like if yeah, this, if, this, if you didn't have the family support structure that you and Lexi had, she wouldn't have gone home to her family, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't have gone to your mom's couch. You guys could have been out there doing that, right? Yeah. If if she, I think just just getting does that hit? Do you? Yeah, is, I, I just thought of that just, now. Just the steps in general, like getting being an addict in recovery because I accepted these twelve steps, right? These twelve principles, traditions, however you want to call it. This whole process over the last four years has made me be able to, I used to the same way, like I couldn't, even when I was a convert, right? I still didn't identify with certain people because I hadn't, I hadn't been humbled to the depths yet for me. And I, I had to experience that. Like I, I feel like I can identify when someone's, even if it's an addiction I've never done or it's they're in a low, like they're on the street, I've never been there. But because I've been there spiritually, mm-hmm. like I feel like there's like, I can, I not in a, a self-righteous way, but it's like, no, nah, dude, I know what it's like to feel freaking miserable like all the time like and to want to know you're not supposed to but you can't stop and, and to feel hopeless and i i never felt hopeless i may have felt pain before i never felt hopeless until i tried to quit taking pills and my wife left me and that was hopeless like i felt you know anyways and so i feel like god that's a blessing that comes from these programs getting honest even though it was so painful the pain of the problem the pain of food, it was the solution was hard to get honest but Look at four years later, like I, I can, um, I, I don't, I honestly can say to this day, I may feel better at times where I'm egotistical or whatever, but I honestly don't feel like I'm, I, I'm better than anyone or more qualified than anyone at anything. And sometimes that could be through a fault too, but I like it that way because my ego takes me to another way where I feel like I'm, I deserve everything. I deserve the house. I deserve this. And they don't, you know, this, that, and the other. And now I just feel like, feel grateful to be alive. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's uh, jump into your share on step eight, and then we'll do Ask the Addict. Boom. When I live in the chaos in my mind, when the disease is playing what I'm saying in my mind, I might as well be dead because I'm not focused on anything that's good. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a torment. So it all is life or death, really. Um, and I love these steps because they're the solution to everyone's issues in life, no matter how small they may be. Um, I'm grateful that by the grace of God that I, I was saved and, and uh, I could pretend like it was the work I did. I did do these steps, but reality is 
uh, how, how is making a list and then praying about it and then doing it? How does that take away the guilt and the shame? I don't know because like I've done some bad things. And so you think by just saying sorry, well, I said sorry a hundred times in my addiction. What's the difference of when I said sorry here or made a list and then in nine said sorry to the certain people? What's the difference? Well, the difference is because I finally listened to direction. Right? I didn't do it on my own will. I didn't do it on my own timing. I did it on Heavenly Father's timing. I did it because someone else above me, my sponsor, told me to do it and when to do it and how to do it. Um, that was the first time in my life that I had take direction in, in an entirely instead of just bits and pieces of it. Now, when I first started the program, I did try to take bits and pieces. I tried to do a few steps and then, you know, I don't need to do this step and I may just need to do this step. Well, this one's more me, so I need to focus on this one. One thing I've learned um, in a little bit of time of coming consistently for about four years now uh, is that and barely missing any meetings and, and focusing on this for a big portion of my life, no matter where I was at in my personal recovery, still focusing on it and coming and paying attention is that you either do the steps or you don't. And if you don't, you, you, there's just no guarantee. It's just like the commandments, right? Like God says, when you keep my commandments, I'm bound. When you don't, you have no promise. Well, the promise in recovery is if you do what we've done, meaning anyone who's done the steps before you, not me, anyone, then you'll get recovery, okay? Now, you only maintain that spiritual wellness or that recovery based upon your own, you know, working these steps. This step specifically, this is not, this is not one that's done one time just because you were going through the first 12. I mean, this is something I have to do all the time. I just had to do it with my boss, who I have a very hard time with, you know, uh, at times. Um, but I, but I, you know, and many other people, I mean, I have to seek forgiveness, but the key thing that's different in my life now is like I said, I'm not doing it in the moment because if I was doing it in the moment, then that's really for me. That's the biggest thing I learned from step eight and nine is that I used to say, sorry, I used to seek forgiveness, complete selfishness. I just wanted that. I wanted to have no beef with someone. So I wanted my conscience to feel good. I didn't care about what I did to the person or about saying sorry to that person or seeking restitution with that person, I care solely about me. If you ask my wife, if you ask Xander who knew me before, that's, ex that's all I did. That's all I was. I was a taker in every sense of the word. So now it's interesting, you know, I, I feel like in the last couple months I've had like this cleansing of my life, like again, like a cleansing of my recovery, got deep again into my recovery, started working these key maintenance steps, right? Um, which this could be grouped in there with them and, and seeking forgiveness and, um, and as well as taking a daily inventory, meeting with a bishop and making sure they're, I'm keeping all the commandments fully and I'm, and I'm opening the channel of the priesthood in my life, as well as uh, revelation. Does that mean my life's gotten easier? No. Are you kidding me? My financial debt is still there. My, my bills are still there every single month. My, my kids are challenging and amazing all at once. My job is awesome and challenging all at once and, and sometimes sucks every second of the day that I do it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, do me and Lexi still fight? Yes. Like, oh my gosh. But do we love each other? Yes. And now when I mess up and when I make a mistake, I got to fight with a really close friend of mine who used to be here in this meeting and is not. And, uh, and I said some things that in the moment I, I felt were 100% justified because I'm a human, right? And that's what I do and that's what we all do. In the moment we get passionate about certain opinions and feelings and we say things we don't mean, okay? Did I go and apologize right away? Absolutely not. But I waited upon the Lord for my heart to, to feel willing to do so for my part. But see, I didn't have to take inventory for his part. Because if I was still doing that, there's a lot of things that I didn't agree with in this person's life, right? And their choices, 
what I'm getting at is I love the action step is the key. You literally, I mean, yeah, you need to write a list and you need to do it verbatim about what they tell you to do, but action steps in here spell it all out. You don't even need to read anything else. In step eight, we began amazing adventure, getting a new heart, right? Contributing peace to the world rather than adding contention and negative feelings. If you ask anyone, I can be two people, and that's it. There's no middle. It's either the most positive person you've ever met and very motivating, or the most negative <coughs> person on the planet. Like, and everything's wrong. Ask my wife, I can change in 24 hours. Okay, some days I, or, or two minutes. More like two minutes. No, which is true. It says, but you are willing to give up judging anyone else unrighteously and stop taking inventory for other people's lives and faults. I did that this last year for an individual in my life, and it was the most long, drawn-out year I've had in my recovery. Why? Why did I do that? Well, I have the freedom to choose, that's why. But I also have the freedom to choose if I want to do that for two years. And I honestly believe I don't think I would maintain my recovery, my sobriety, if I didn't take these steps back into my life and work them. They only work if you work them. Um, it says you are ready to stop minimizing your own behavior and making excuses for it. That's all I did to help justify and fuel my feelings for that individual in his inventory or her inventory. You are willing to take, you are willing to take another thorough inventory, this time of those you have harmed. Um, it says you may be terrified. Once again, fear, it only, you're only fearless if you, if, if you keep going, right? If you have fear and you don't move forward, then, you're, then, you're, then you are in fear. And then fear, the fear has you and you're immobilized. You, you can't move. I had fear today about, you know, my, with work and with bills and things, but I got up and moved. Did I have any success? Well, not in the moment. There was no I immediate gratification for the work I put in. I'm in 100% commission. I could work a full day and there's no fruit. I, I'm a hunter. I come home with no food. And it can, seem, it can seem daunting and it does at times, but I have to place my faith in these steps, right? You see, these can be applied to, I'm, I'm applying it to a recovery and sober person's life, but you can also recover if you're in day one of not looking at pornography, not gambling, not overspending, not overeating, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, lying, cheating. These things can save people's lives, and they saved my life, and I watch how they don't save other people's lives because they don't choose to do them. And I used to hear that when I first came to the meetings, and I used to judge the guy up front saying, do the steps, you know, and, and you need to do all these, every single one of them thoroughly, because I thought he was taking an inventory for me. Now that I've done them and my life's been saved, and I go and visit a 20-year-old opiate addict who's probably going to die, not probably, he will die, it's just a matter of time if he doesn't get sober. He doesn't have a long lifespan in his, where his has progressed already. When you're smoking heroin, there's not much worse to go before it's shooting and then you die. So, uh, watch him not take it, you know. It's a bummer, and, uh, but it's not for us. Every one of us chose to be here. That sounds selfish, but it's not. I'm grateful everyone in here decided to come tonight when they could be at home watching the election, when they could be at home with a million other excuses, whether they're tired or they worked hard or their family or their kids or they can't get babysitters. All I know is when I came to this program, if I put it first, the Lord always prepared a way for me and Lexi to make it to a meeting, always, at least once a week. And we used to drive from L.A. to get to the San Clemente because we felt the San Clemente is where we needed to be. So there's no excuse. I'm grateful you guys are here. This program has saved my life personally. And uh, I watch it save your guys' lives and you guys then helped me. I would have relapsed. That's the recipe for relapse, not working your own program. And um, so I don't have to say that today because I'm working the steps and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you guys. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
right, this week's Ask the Attic, we have a special guest, James. James, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Good. Welcome, okay. welcome. James, uh, what is your uh, drug of choice? My drug of choice is always weed. Okay, marijuana. Marijuana. What, give me five names for Cannabis, marijuana. Cannabis, marijuana, ganja, reefer, whatever. Some of those are old. Like ganja, that's like 80s, 90s. We'd say ganja. Like, you know, but gone. cannabis is like the new cannabis is the new like you watch the met you watch the weed documentaries yeah. it's all about cannabis you want to teach people that merit like the history of marijuana and how that word came out it's really cannabis so that you can try to convince people that it's good not, for you not so, it doesn't have a negative right? exactly why not yeah okay and then hemp is like the product that comes from it to yeah okay so but what was the word you used uh What's, you say ganj i said everything i said okay pot weed what was your what was your secret word so that like people didn't know. Oh man! At I first, it a... was uh, pool. So I had a buddy, and we'd text each other like, "Hey, you want to play some pool?" And he did have a pool table, but okay. that was that, that was, was code nice. for you. That was code. Out. Okay. Um, and and then bagels. Okay. Like, hey, we're gonna grab some bagels. So parents um, listen to this, right? Oh parents yeah. Are wives. Spouses, in, wives. In 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 high school, it was buddy. Like we're gonna go hang out with buddy. If it was alcohol, we'd hang out with Allie. If it was like pills, Corey. Like we had names for everything in high school. Okay. All right, well, cool. Let's cut that back in your journey. Bud, uh, that was my name. That's bud? Like, bu- bud, like weed bud. Yeah, that yeah. was the main one that we'd call it. Okay. For sure. Even in your adult years? In adult years, yeah, okay. bud. Uh, the step one talks about many of us began our addictions out of curiosity. Some of us became of justifiable means. Your first uh, experience with the drug or drugs was curiosity, teenager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I went several, I went eight years between teenage and adult, and both were curiosity. The second was like, oh, could this be good for my life for like ADHD and other things? Were you a member? Yeah. Growing up? Yeah, I was. So grew up a member of the church. Yep. Uh, curiosity, teenage, yeah, experimentation. 12, My I drank alcohol for the first time. My neighbor... Uh, they had they were they had alcohol everywhere and me and like my little friend like at twelve tried it and then fourteen I had a buddy in high school who and I I knew I wanted it it wasn't like it had to find me like I was I knew I was gonna try it like it was something that in my brain I knew I was gonna try and so when I finally got that chance to go to his house down the street I remember getting high for the first time in his backyard where'd you grow up San Diego okay and then. Fast forward to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Actually, when did you, I, I kind of know this about you, but for the audience, did you think you were an addict as a teenager? I, I know, so at... Or just, just recreationally using. At 15, was it 15? 15, I got arrested for possession. Um, of Bud. Of, of Bud. Of, of, ganja, of the ganj. Of the ganj. Okay. Of flour, of whatever you want to call it. Uh <laughs> I think back then we said pot or weed. Um, and then I went like six months without doing it. Wait, so you got arrested. Yeah. But you had mentioned uh, maybe in a previous conversation that like in the church, people thought you were Peter Priesthood. Was well, my this... parents knew, but like okay. they knew that I'd mess up that one time. At that, that point, I hadn't that, done it many times. But that was like, this is the first time, I swear. Yeah, I totally told them it was the first time, but it really okay. wasn't that much. It was like a year of maybe two times a month. So like, okay. you know, we're not, we're not talking that much. Then it was six months later that I remember a buddy of mine from in the church, like we were talking and we both gave each other this look and it was, we just made this connection. We both knew that we both used to smoke. We, I don't I can't really explain it, but potheads okay. find each other. Totally. And I'm sure anyone who's a pothead knows what I'm talking about. And it was like, oh wow, you smoked, 
what did I, like, I smoked back in San Diego and we had moved to Murrieta at this point. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, and then we started smoking and uh, no one really knew besides like all the, the young kids, but like at church, I was the perfect kid. Like I was the deacon, you know, the priest quorum teacher or uh, not priest quorum, president and mm-hmm. all that stuff. First assistant, first assistant teacher's yeah. president, first okay. assistant. Okay. Yeah. And Bishop had no clue uh, at the time. Yeah. Bishop had no clue. Well, one, like a bishop knew it when I first got arrested, okay. that bishop, but then we yeah. moved, and okay. the next bishop never had any clue until like a year and a half when later. When you cleaned up, stopped going, doing EGC remission? Yeah. yeah. Did you, was it hard to stop? No, I stopped early. I stopped at um, like, six, like 16 and a half. I remember just finally making the decision, like, I should stop this, and I did, and I stopped for a whole year, and then I did it one time when I was 17. Just one time, like a friend of mine was like, he wanted me to make him a, you know how we can make pipes and bongs and stuff. So he wanted me to make him a pipe. I tried. I took ceramics in high yeah. school. Yeah, so I did it, and then I was like sitting. There. I remember sitting there going, "This is so stupid." And then I was like, "This is it. I'm done with drugs." Um, I had four surgeries, and I definitely abused the Vicodin that was given to me. Like absolutely. Um, in high school. In high school, yeah. Okay. But uh. But when the prescription ran out, were you done? No, I was done. Yeah. Okay. Like I was. So you abuse it while you because they always give you way more pills and. Yeah, need. yeah, but I was okay. good. Like eighteen. All eighteen, and then I started a mission like right after. And was it a were, was it something you craved at, at that time? Like, oh, man, like did I, you I romance missed... it? Like, did you think? No, because like a lot of us, like even when I when I when I first started when I first quit smoking weed, um, <clears throat> I was fifteen or whatever, and I went to rehab, and then I came back. I didn't romance it, but other things I did, like you know what I mean. I like, and then it got to the point where like not romancing actual smoking weed or other drugs, just the culture in general. Like, I, of like, oh, man, it was fun. Yeah. I would say, like, oh, it was you fun. You jokes was, about your Like, ah, oh, I used to be such a pothead. Yeah, with I, another I, member, right? Yeah. And then it's, like, kind of like, oh, you guys, even on the mission. Like, yeah. I found another kid that had lived a past, and we kind of joked about it. But. I would romance about pills, um, but not weed. Because I, I, it's funny, it's it wasn't until adulthood that it really became, like, this major thing. Because even, and then it was, uh, yeah, like, because I tried all kind of pills, like, in high school. So, like, muscle relaxers. I would romance about muscle relaxers and I would romance about uh I always wanted to try mushrooms and I never did and like I always thought about it like even on my mission I was like will I ever try mushrooms but I we never really had me and then it wasn't till 24 and I have to say as even as much as I wanted to deny it the whole legalization and just it being in your face like it really started to so we're in California where they just passed recreational marijuana is legal so yeah so it, medical marijuana was has been legal for a few years, and then the push has been for several years, but it's finally legal to go get a, go get marijuana recreational. Anyone over twenty one, just as easier to buy beer as weed. So that's what you're referring to. Is some people listen, we have people from other countries that listen to this. Podcast. Oh yeah. So so I was I wasn't in California at the time, but I'm from here, uh, and my political beliefs, like I, I believe in freedom, right? So to me, I was very pro-legalization of all the states and yeah. wanting it to get passed and hoping it would, even though I wasn't using it still or yet, I was I was wanting it and following it and, and really starting to get obsessed with it. So at this time, you're married? Married. Children? Just barely had my first child. And fully active in church? Fully active. I was actually in a bishopric. You were in a bishopric? Yeah. And, uh, and then I was just released from the bishopric. And how soon after release were you lit up again? Probably eight months, if I guess. And 
when you're in bishopric, would you have ever thought? No. Like, no. I was called into a bit. I was a singles ward bishopric, so I, I still was an elder. I, I didn't get made out high priest um, for a year and a half, and I loved it. And I was, yeah, like no one. I never thought that I would ever like. I never had a craving for drugs. I never cared about them. It was like my past. It was something I did, and I was I was kind of grateful for. Except now I'm like, man, I wish wish that would never happen. Um, and then within a few months after getting released. I I think I just started to get lazy, and I remember thinking like, oh well, you know, it could be good for ADHD, and I just that kept that was everywhere, right? Because like, you could read on, you search anything, and I swear, pot will cure anything. Yep. Like there's a, there's a study that it will cure what like you name it. It'll cure laziness. It'll it, cure laziness. It'll cure anything. Yeah, I've had people tell me like it cures everything. Yeah, and we so, got a strain of weed now that'll you know like re- really like we all know that like laziness and weed go hand in hand. But like they're like no, we have a new strain now. It's like <laughs> upper. Like you want to like I was looking on this thing the other day and it was talking about like how you can you, you, if you want to write a paper, it's like there's certain strains of weed now for like <laughs> for college writing. students. Oh, you want to do for, math? You want to smoke this? Yeah, oh, you, you want artistic? Like there's a strain for that. Like if you I need can to tell do, you like, all those. Yeah, I, I can tell you all those easily. Well, that's what I mean. That's well, and even script. before I started up again, I just kind of got obsessed with researching and like what strains. Yeah, what yeah. strains could be good for me? What strains could be good for ADHD? What strains could make me more relaxed? But at the same time, it was just there was this kind of desire to just sit back. It was like, man, I was a perfect missionary. Not perfect, but I was a great missionary. I've always been like ever since 16, I've been really, really good. And there was this desire to just kind of sit back a bit and just not care as much about the church. And, and to... that's that's a common not not necessarily go to drugs, but when you have an important calling and you're done and then you're done, like, oh, I can chill I'm, now. Like, yeah, yeah, like the, the romantic of chilling, like I, I vividly remember young man's president and and I, I would like put everything into it. I was like. You know, get there early. I'm looking for all the young men. I'm like, where are they at? I'm sending a text. Like, I'm just hunting them down to where that next week I'm like, eh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I still did, but, like, I wanted to not worry about it. And the next thing was present was awesome. And then it was like, it was lame. Like, you felt, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to describe the feeling. So, so take, so within months, you're back on the gone. Yeah. And I assume uh, you've got some stresses of life. Hitting you about the same time? Yeah, yeah. Um, my so my son was is disabled, special needs, and so further justification as to why I needed something to help me, right? Um, and uh, my wife was having a really tough time, you know, coping with the fact that, uh, you know, my son he wasn't developing, he wasn't growing, he wasn't you know talking or doing anything, and so it was it was really easy to justify like, oh, I need this to make myself. Um, happy and and you know as time went on like being high around my child like it was it was almost like I I could love him more I could see him like for what he was more and it's really sad to look back and think that I mean now it's I'm amazed that it's not like that anymore but uh yeah it was was, I I would find myself helping my wife with the child more I'd I'd find myself like being a better husband and I'd find myself uh at work like were were you really, or did you think you were? Because uh, I, I work with a lot of high school students, and they're like, oh, I study way better. I'm like, you've been staring at the screen for a half hour. You haven't done anything. But they, in their mind, they think they're, like, doing way better. So uh, most of the time— What did your wife say? I asked her, where were you? Uh, so she'll actually admit that there, I, I definitely was nicer for okay. at first. So it, it all was at first, right? That first year, I definitely 
was able to kind of cope with um, the monotony of work a little bit easier. As but, he always says, it works until it stops. Yeah. 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 For me, I, <clears throat> when I first went to college on opiates like and, and, and Adderall, I got straight A's for the first time in my entire life. I made the dean's list and got the straight A's in my entire life. And I was high as a kite. Yeah. By my third semester, I was failed. Yeah. It went from being the most enhancing drugs ever to debilitating. Well, if I can, uh, I could, you just reminded me of something that I want to chat about. Um, for me, like I had tried several times not to use Adderall, and I've never liked Adderall. Like, luckily, that's one You're of the drugs. You're diagnosed with ADHD. I am, and that's luckily that's one of the drugs that like my wife would tell me, like, why haven't you taken your pills? You know, like mm-hmm. I, I even to this day, it's it's still prescribed, and I rarely take it. I, I don't, I don't like it. Um, and so it would tell, like, my brain, I would tell myself, like, I have to take a drug to be to work because I work in software like I have to sit down at all times and so that was better justification like marijuana helps me sit it helps me focus it helps and and it worked it's better it's better better than me than method or amphetamines yeah like and and then probably a year in it definitely stopped working I lost the spirit I became a much worse person and I remember I I developed a really bad short temper within Um, one year you said yeah like I, I probably a year and then that next two years was uh, where I'm at now. It's like, and so what? What was your bottom? So step one, the you know you find out, sell the pain. What does it say? The Jay? pain of the problem becomes less than the pain of the solution. So what I thought was my problem was uh, my wife catching me. Um, so she and, caught you smoking weed. And one she, night. she had no idea. No clue. Yeah, how'd you and keep so, that away? Like, I had my buddy that I would like... play pool with. Right? He he's, <laughs> yeah. he'd he'd all the time. How did you? We don't quote need unquote list- pool. We don't need your listeners to know how I hit it all the time. Yeah, but, but it was still, uh, you were able to hide it. I was able to hide it. I was able to hide it really well. Um, I had practice from high school, right? Like yeah, I hit true. it really well in high school. And, and was she someone that ever had a pass? So she she never had a pass. She's the never most of our listeners anything. Are that way, yeah, so. she had no clue about anything. So she was completely heartbroken. Um, but she I walk in the backyard. How, where I was, so like smoking joints makes you smell because the, the paper's burning. And like I religiously would stay away from joints, and then I don't know, I just kind of got this like affinity for rolling joints, and I got really good at it. And so then I started smoking joints, and I I smoked a joint, and then I walked in, so she smelled it right away. Um, but she there was like two or three times before that, like that month, that she's just like she like I smoked in the house one time, and it was still kind of smoky, so I like left my son's poopy diaper like to try to <laughs> mask it and like burned a match and um and then i got high in my car one time and she could smell it and she's like why well, smell like so i was like yeah there's a skunk up in you know we were in utah then like park city it's just like i don't know how to explain it and um so i i went quite a while and i, I mean i don't know how specific, I, there were times where like my wife would run into the store and i'd like grab a little toke and then like she'd be back in the car within 10 minutes and she wouldn't know and she just um, had no idea. She had no she clue. Just, yeah. Good Mormon girl. And she, yeah, she told me afterwards, like, I can't believe I always, anytime I thought, like, it kind of smells like smoke, I would just think there's no way my husband would ever do that. And I yeah. I totally abused that trust yeah. over and over and over again. There you go. So and then wife, she catches you. So fast catches you. So she catches me, and then um, I quit. I talked to my bishop. I quit for, like, three or three months. Uh, we moved back to California. And I knew, I thought I was done, but I really wasn't because I still thought about it all the time. Well, I'd say it went like two months where I was like, I'm done. This is good. I don't have any temptation. But then being back in California, being back in the water, surfing, weed everywhere, and then also alcohol everywhere, right? Because in, in Utah, there's no That's alcohol, true, yeah, right? Yeah. And and I didn't mention like there were like business trips. Like there was that lure of like everyone's drinking on the plane. And I, I would travel to 
I'd travel overseas and like they'd give it to you for free. And so I justified like, okay, well, I'll try drinking. Right. And so I started drinking. Which you probably would have never done if you hadn't already been throwing. No, absolutely not. So I started drinking and it just, it got bad. It was like, I always wanted to be buzzed 24 seven. And it was day after day after day. How soon after Bishop Rick to where you had this drinking on the plane? Two years. Two years. So that's just a year and a half. And that's, you know, Jay talks about he got addicted to opiates on his mission. Most of us are immune to it. I mean, it doesn't matter what callings, like Brad was just saying about me being on my mission. And I even had, after my mission, when, after I'd been married in the temple, I was out at BYU-Hawaii, and I was actually working as a temple ordinance uh, with pills. Like, I was high. I was high all the time. Yeah. And I wanted to stop, and I couldn't. And at that time, I didn't know about these meetings. And, you know, I justify it once again with a prescription. I mean, do you have any experiences like that where you were having callings and where maybe two years ago before you were like, never have even, I mean, I remember at one point I couldn't even watch a rated R movie without feeling guilty. Yeah. And now here I was popping <laughs> pills that I had stole from people while working as an ordinance worker. Yeah. No, I remember um, not too long after the bishop, I was called to be the finance clerk, right? So accounting tithing. And, um, and, and that's really, it, for me, it was like every Sunday is when I'd go play pool with my buddies. And that's when we would get high. And then it turned into Sundays and Wednesdays because I had a night meeting at work. And then, I eventually turned it every day, and I remember um, talking to, as we're counting tithing, like the, the the subject of legalization of marijuana came up. Of course, I'm like pro-legalization, and they're talking about it, and I'm looking down, and like my backpack's right there, and I have this little, there's probably like three, you know, three nugs, three three grams worth of weed in my backpack, and then, um, and then I started to count, like, okay, edibles take a while to kick in, right? So I was like, oh, if I eat an edible right when we start counting tithing, then it will, as soon as it's over, like I'll I'll be good and and i remember one time it like started kicking in faster and we're like counting and i'm like oh my gosh i'm going to hell like i'm high and i'm counting tithing right now um but then not caring about it like the next day like that ah, whatever rationalize yeah. and justify like ah, i was it was bad timing uh, next time i'll time it better right and you were rationalizing this because of adhd or uh, were you trying to rationalize it all at that point, at this I point, no. Accepted it. At okay. this point, I accepted it. Point at this point, it. I accepted that it was part of it, my life, it, and it, I didn't know how it, to. It, so, is it this type of justification? Like, I watch radar movies. Like, we're not a perfect. So, this justification, none of us are perfect. That's a fact, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I could be counting tithing, and I watch rated our movie that morning. Yeah. But I'd be like, feel a little bit bad. But oh, come on, we're not all perfect. Was it that too extreme, or did you? Maybe. I think it was or, more like, oh, at least it's not alcohol. And okay. the word of wisdom specifically says you shouldn't drink. So and this is a natural herb. This weed. is a natural herb. And, you know, I think it helps my life. I think it makes me a better person. That was my justification. Even though I knew at this point it was wrong, I was like, I still think it makes me a better person. And I think that's a tough part. Uh, I think a lot of justifications happening, particularly in California, Seattle, or Washington. I can't imagine our generation Colorado. having to be raised. Like, you know what I mean? The, prop, like, the brethren have been pretty clear. No, I know, right? but I'm just saying, but like, for, for a kid, the world, for a youth, like, let alone, I mean, here's Jamie's talking yeah. about his 20s, right. let alone a 15-year-old. You're a like, college-educated guy yeah. that right. is justifying this. Well, and you'd say the prophets made it clear, but I would find, like, scripture say, it says specifically <laughs> yeah. illicit drugs, and I'd be like, well, oh. if it's legal, it's not illicit anymore. But I was in Utah. It wasn't It wasn't okay. legal. Okay. But I'd still think, like, oh, once I once I get back to California. Like, so it's like you said the documentaries are enough, dude. Those documentaries, like, can can sway you to mm-hmm. to really feel like yeah yeah so, so your wife catches you yeah she so catches that, me I go quit. like a couple months I quit I start drinking um I, I still appeal here and there it wasn't like that big of it like it wasn't a lot it was just like I think I stole like three Xanax from my mom and that was it uh so you're starting to do a little so bit I'm starting to do a little yeah. bit more and then finally 
I, you know, I started surfing again because we moved here, and I smell it everywhere, and just it just I couldn't stop thinking about it. And finally, one night, the obsession drove out mind. to the jetty. I knew all those kids were smoking, and I saw this kid, Doheny Jetty. Doheny Jetty. Yeah, I live I a mile Logan from Doheny, yeah. so I was like, I see this kid. I'm like, hey. I know you got it. If you're listening to that, stay away from the jetty. I know you have some. Like, I just need some. I'll pay you double what you normally, like, whatever. And he was like, are you a cop? I'm like, no, trust me. I'm just Jones. And he's like, all right. Which van? Which van? I can tell you exactly (laughs) what van. So those became my new friends uh, for about, that would have been now. So about a year, I became really good friends with the 20 to 20, or the 18 to 23-year-old loser pothead stoners. No offense, guys, but you definitely are. probably not listening, but is this really skinny Dad looking at with really long hair. Uh, that guy. Yeah, that's one of my very good friends. Is he yeah. really? And he's thirty. With and like, that he's was got kids out there that surf too, right? Oh, the one with the one with kids. Maybe whatever. There's several out there. Okay, but I, you probably know all the. Guys. I start. It's funny because one of the guys does live in a van, and um, I started picking him up every day and getting him like a two dollar burrito, and then get high together and that was me like you're doing service just, i'm doing service fine, yeah. right and then yeah and then i started to like i knew he sold so i would uh like help him find better deals and then like i'd get like kind of free weed out of it um and but that was i remember being high and then like he needed someone to like he was running out of money and so i offered to pay his 30 dollar cell phone bill and thought like man look your weed makes me such a good person it makes me like all so how's things at home during this time like with your wife at this point, my wife, um, she knows well, so point. hold on, we, we should step back. My wife eventually kind of knew what was going on, asked one time why my eyes were red. So she caught me like three or four more times. And so eventually we get to the point where I'm like, okay, how about we just try me doing it? You know I'm doing it, hmm. and we're going to try that. And rationalize. That was really hard for me to do, but it was actually more her. Like, why don't you just do it, and then that's it. And so she knew I was for probably three months, but I would n- always tell her, one every five times. Like, I would never tell her how bad it really was. How much okay. were you? Yeah, it was like so every stage, couple of days. At this stage, you kind of, you knew it was a problem. I knew it was a problem. I knew I was doing it at least daily. Okay. Um, at this point, it probably hit, I mean, it, it hit like three, four times a day before, before we lived in Utah and then we, before we moved back here. Mm-hmm. There was that couple month gap. But now it was back to the full fledge as it was. And then I started getting obsessed with like. We had the green light now. Yeah. I got the card, you know, I could go allowing to, you to do it. So, Yeah. And I, I, I was obsessed with, like, I want to grow it somewhere. Like, I want to – I start, I tried to make my own wax. Like, I started dabbing, which dabbing is, like, over the top. Like, that's, like, marijuana times 100. Um, you know, if you don't know what that I is. I do know okay. what it is, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so my wife uh, – I, I t- finally told her that I wanted it's to not get – It's not the dance, right? The dab dance. No, 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 no. <laughs> I finally told her that I wanted to get a card and that I needed to be um, – and I want to get a card specifically for ADHD. So my wife really didn't know how serious it was. And I, I just did it for stress. And so I told her, let me, I will go three months and I'll be sober. Uh, and sober then from drinking? From, from oh. everything, from weed and whatever. Wait, you said, I want a, a green light to go smoke for three months? That, that already happened. Okay. Right? And then after that, I'm like, okay, I want to get a card, but I want to prove to you that I'm, I can be sober. Okay. I already had the card. But okay. I lied to my wife and said, "Let me let, let's wait, like w- watch." And I pretended like I was sober for three months, and I wasn't. I was getting high every day. Okay. And then finally, I was like, "I'm gonna go get a card now." And she was like, "Okay, as long as," she was like, "Okay, well, how about we, you know, you find the certain candies and the certain things that like, so you're not smoking it. And we can actually do this like a medicine." Because I had okay. a, the green light from a, a psychiatrist. Yeah. But this whole time, I'm just lying to my wife. Like she thinks I'm 
I'm trying to do it right, but in reality, I'm doing it five times a day. I'm eating edibles at work. I'm leaving work to get high. Like it was just 24 You're seven out of, control. out of control. So let's talk about recovery. So how do you end up in the rooms at ARP? So <laughs> I ended up in the room at ARP a year before this stage now. Um, because I did that first time my wife caught me the second time in California, okay. I said, I'm going to go to the Bishop. Okay. Um, and I went the first time because she told me to. This time I actually went because I wanted to. And I talked to my bishop and he encouraged me to go to ARP. Okay, good for him. So I went to ARP for six months every couple of weeks. And observing. Were you were observing? Were you actively sharing? I'm very and... talkative, so I shared. Okay. But it wasn't like I was being honest. Okay. I was just like, it's good to be here. I like you guys. This is awesome to hear your stories. Okay. I'm not an addict. I'm, I might be one day. That's kind of I kept saying that I'm an addict and embryo. Like I could see myself turning into you guys. So I need to. I need to keep. I need to make sure I don't get there. But okay. I, you know, getting there. And, and did you really believe that? Uh, Can you go back there? I could see just like yeah. people like I'm not an addict, but I could see it getting even more out of control. Yeah, okay. I, I did. I mean, I, especially with time, like at that time, right? It was because I would look at you know they talk about how they're alcoholics and they did heroin and all these other mm-hmm. things. Like, well, I've I've drank as much alcohol in my lifetime these guys probably did in a month so i tell myself that even though i'm like high and i'd come to the meetings high it's like step one the time then the time came when we were we could no longer hide our addiction telling one more lie that it's it's not that bad you were still saying it's not that bad yeah it's not that bad until um so fast forward a year later i've completely stopped going to arp meetings i told my wife i didn't like them um because i was scared of people at the ward knowing seeing me that's why really um and so finally I started talking to my, my buddy in the van, like, hey, we're doing this too much. Like, I'm doing this. And I, I realized. You're telling the dealer that you're doing it too much. Yes. Okay. Um, and he agrees, and we're talking. We're like, we got to stop this. And, and now it's been um, a couple months of having the card and having just complete open access to, like, every type of marijuana there is and just going insane and realizing, like, this is completely consuming my life. My work is getting behind. I'm nowhere near the confident guy I used to be. Um, my personality has completely changed. Uh, I'm, I'm really struggling in my like marriage. Like I could feel that I wasn't connected to my spouse at all. I wasn't really connected to my children at all. And I knew something was wrong. And that's when I really finally started to have that first little, I want to change, but I didn't know how, even though I knew how I would tell myself, like, I I don't know how to do this. Um, and so I kept telling myself, I need to go 30 days clean by myself and then I'll go talk to my wife. And okay. I'll go to ARP meetings again. And so ARP was still on your checklist of you you knew that was yeah. the toolbox. Okay. But no, wanted, I did. But you wanted to do a month? Yeah, I, for some like reason that. I wanted okay. I, I wanted to prove to my I needed to be able to do it myself. Because I couldn't go to my wife and say I'm actively in this addiction. I could yeah. only go to her if I, see, I had I, I I'm thirty like look, it was yeah. thirty days ago. Like yeah. I haven't been lying to you for like I just couldn't admit to her I've been lying to you every single day, yeah. day after day. That was the hardest thing and I I remember later on coming to the realization, like, I kept lying to myself, telling me I didn't want to hurt her, but I didn't want to hurt me. Like, I just didn't want her to know that I was a liar, yeah. right? Um, so finally, I decide to, uh, you know, I, I read the book every now and then. Like, I would read the, the first step, um, and, and it really started to hit on me. Like, okay, well, I got to be honest. And I finally decided to um, really start to you started to think a lot. What is this whole put it on the Lord? What does that mean? And so I started to kind of pray, like, Heavenly Father, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, help me stop. Um, and I went like seven days, and then I messed up. And then I went 
seven days and then I got high again and then I got high a couple weeks and then I remember going eight days and at that point like really praying like first time really sincere please I can't do this alone I need help and I went to work and I drove decided not to go to work and go to this dab bar got completely high out of my mind um, and sat in my car and just had like the biggest epiphany while being high like this I can't do this alone like I can't do this alone and a song came on the radio and the song said say you won't care I remember this and I remember thinking I have to finally admit that I don't care what people think what my wife thinks what you know you guys at ARP are gonna think what my bishop's gonna think and so I made that resolution right then call my wife call my brother um, they both came out to get me. I told my wife where right, you were. Yeah, up like, in Santa Ana, uh, like a like block. you were like you were in good shape. You had them. I you I up. yeah. I was like okay. I couldn't. There's no way I was gonna drive. Like I was yeah. Um, and I just I, I started crying. I saw my wife. I was like, I've been lying to you. I I I finally need to be honest. And so I went to the bishop and I just immediately was just like crying and telling him like I need help. Like I don't care what you do. I don't care if I'm excommunicated. I knew that wasn't gonna happen. Like. I was in Cambridge, <laughs> but I still I was like I don't care like whatever happens to me I do not care and I came to this meeting and I finally took a chip I had never taken a chip because I was like there's no way in hell I'm gonna take a chip um that was your body. and I finally took a chip and taking a chip was huge uh I don't you weren't here I don't think I remember thinking so pissed that Jay wasn't here I was like why isn't Jay here I'm finally doing it he's not here um because you knew Jay from a year before yeah just going like okay. I uh I had come to this one like two or three times I think like the month before Okay. Um, thinking like maybe it's time. Um, and when I finally admitted I can't do this was alone. Was it a 30 day chip, like a first comer chip? It was that first comer chip. Okay. Yeah. I had never taken one. Okay. I never wanted to admit to people. I didn't want people at ARP meeting to see me take a chip. I don't know why. Um, and that was right. it. I, I finally asked Heavenly Father, I can't do this on my own. Help me. And I felt like that one day for that five minute period, he gave me the courage to call my wife. And I did, and at that moment on, I decided I don't care what people think about me, and I don't care what happens. I just want to solve this problem. How many uh, months or days over? Uh, five and a half months, so uh, two weeks to six awesome. months. Huge. Yeah. Awesome. Moment of sanity we all have. And uh, tonight we talked a lot about working the steps and how uh, AA says, what is it, rarely, isn't that quoted? <coughs> yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to um, butcher it because it's so important, it's so crucial. A quote from the ERP book yeah. that says, "We, this is the brethren. We assure you that if you follow this path with a sincere heart, you will find the power you need to recover from addiction." Chapter Chapter Five of the Big Book of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. It says how it works. Rarely have we seen a. Which, by the way, I guess the original uh, copy of this said never. Mm -hmm. I think it was something along that lines. Not rarely. It was it was flat out never. Uh, so this says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Uh, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are they are such in, uh, unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. Nah, and then it goes into other things, but basically it just gets along the lines of when I read that this morning when I was um, when I was listening to the big book on audio tape, um, just that's what you're talking about, right? It's like you 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 were only captured captured in your disease as as long as you could be dishonest, 
with mm-hmm. yourself, right? And then the minute we get that moment of clarity, all of us is when we're high or drunk or whatever your disease is, because that's what you were twenty four seven. So if it that just shows you God's real, because even though you could it be blitzed out of your, that. you, yeah, you be blitzed out of your mind on opiates, weed, dab, whatever it is, pornography and sex addiction, and still, boom, the spirit hits you, yeah. and then when that hits you, it's like you're like, I don't care, I don't care anymore because the pain of the problem has gotten so out of control that the pain of solution, getting honest with myself and everyone else, is is so little now. So I'm I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Well, this was awesome. Thank you for your candidness. And uh, if you're listening to yeah, this. James, you're awesome. Yeah, James, good job. If you're listening to this and you uh, can relate to any of it, uh, be honest. Yeah, be honest. Go to a meeting and uh, don't, don't believe what you – just because it's on the Internet and just because it's in a documentary doesn't mean it's not going to change your life. You heard someone today talk about how, how we changed their personality and their, their life with their family and, and, and everything. So appreciate well, you, James, advice, getting James. honest. Get honest, like what these guys said. For me, um, all the steps are very important and following the steps are amazing.